Hello, this is Dr. Beverly Wright, and thank you for listening to Tag Data Talk, sponsored by Emory Continuing Education and hosted by Aspirant. Tag Data Talk covers topics on the current state and outlook of analytics and data science. We use an interview format with professionals and academics to discuss use cases, future trends, talent and skills, organizational structures, and tool advancements related to data science and analytics. Thanks for listening. Hello, this is Dr. Beverly Wright, and thanks for joining Tag Data Talk. With us today, we have Elvis Diegas, Head of Analytics at Amazon, and we're talking about effectively communicating analytics results. Thanks for joining us, Elvis. Uh, thank you for having me here. Um, I'm looking forward to our conversation. Awesome. So let's start off with a little bit about you. Tell us why you're so cool. <laughs> um, well, as you said, uh, right now I work at Amazon uh, as head of analytics. What that means is uh, I focus on a couple of things. One of them is data engineering. How do you organize data um, properly to do analysis? The second one is analytics and reporting. Uh, and the third one is uh, data science, uh, which is uh, just a more advanced form of the basic analytics and reporting that we do. Nice. So you kind of have the cradle to cradle and full scale. Do you do any innovation work in your team or no? Uh, yes. Under the data science, that's where we do the more advanced innovative work, um, the work that is less clear cut and less obvious how to do it. Um, but as you said, my charter is typically A to Z from the raw data itself through the reporting, and then using that analysis uh, to do more advanced, to handle more advanced business problems. Very cool. Any other background items that you wanted to um, cover so we know your context? Uh, yeah, I've had generally three phases in my career. I think it's a little unusual for someone in my role. Um, first phase, uh, after uh, grad school, um, I went to work in the defense industry where I did a lot of hands-on technical work myself. Um, mm -hmm. I worked as a research scientist. Uh, an electrical engineer uh, doing signal processing and uh, physics-based models. Uh, and I did it for six years. I then did kind of an odd career change. I left all that and I went uh, into management consulting. Hmm. And the reason was I wanted to learn how to take my mathematical skills into the business world uh, without having to go and get an MBA. Mm -hmm. And so I did that hands-on. Uh, worked at Booz Allen Hamilton for a couple of years in their organization strategy group. And after that, the current phase of my career, uh, last six, seven years, I worked at a variety of businesses, small, medium, large, building analytics departments, awesome. uh, A to Z. And that's where I've combined my hands-on technical background with the skill sets I learned in consulting. Very cool. So you went from defense to consulting to analytics to building teams. That's pretty cool. It's um, I had a, a little bit of an unusual journey too, coming from academia and consulting and being on the practitioner side. So I can relate to odd career pathing. So very interesting. Uh, so let's start by defining analytics because um, we're talking about effectively communicating analytics results. What do we mean by analytics? Is that anywhere on the Gartner curve? Does that tie into your specific role right now, or what do we just, what kind of um, extent are we talking about here? So when I think of analytics, I think of, uh, I think the classic definition, which is using the techniques from the sciences, especially mathematics, um, analytics uh, would be the statistical analysis of uh, data uh, applied in a business setting. Mm -hmm. And I do include in that 
um, the reporting aspect of it, not just the analysis, but how you communicate the results to uh, either other data scientists, other analysts, or more importantly, the business users who are ultimately the real customer of the work. Got it. Okay. So this could be um, a BI tool or being set up properly or a, a, a report that comes out and goes to an executive or maybe um, whatever level to make sure that it's being communicated effectively. Or it could be some advanced model or, you know, something that was um, a neurological net kind of model that you have to then explain what the heck it means. So this could go um, all the way from the more simple descriptive kind of um, analytics all the way to more advanced in your mind, right? Yes, I agree. An example of each would be, for example, people on my team have built forecasting algorithms mm -hmm. um, to predict uh, sales on a given week or sales on a given monthly uh, time frame, And that would be very highly analytical. analytical. We would use fairly sophisticated mathematical techniques. Got it. Another example would be using Tableau, for example, to uh, report on basic business data, such mm -hmm. as the actual historical results, but then using the same tool to um, share the results of the forecast model at gotcha. the same time so that you can compare actuals with the analytical uh, analysis that was done. Okay. It sounds like it's... Um... It, and we're going to get into this more in just a second, but it sounds like um, the way you describe things, it's interesting. You you sort of position the uh, analytic around the decision. And I'm not sure everybody does that. <laughs> you know, sometimes it's here's the results. Have a good time with it. But even the way you characterize it and talk about it, um, you're thinking about it in terms of the decision. So let's talk about what the what are the current challenges with communicating results. So we're having this topic and we're talking about this for a particular reason and I feel like there's a um, a demand and interest for learning more about this. But to, to set the stage, what, what kind of problems or challenges or difficulties are we seeing now with analytic um, solutions not really getting, you know, effectively communicated? I, th I think there are a couple of aspects. One of them is you raised a good issue that I always think of analytics starting from the business problem or the decision you're trying to make. One of the challenges to communicate analytics and data science in general well is that oftentimes the practitioner approach it from the science perspective. Mm. They, they might view it as a very interesting academic problem to tackle uh, and aren't focused on the fact that it's the other way around. There's a practical decision that needs to be made. There's a desire to make that decision based on quantitative data. And so how do we meet that desire as opposed to just do analysis for the sake of doing analysis or because it's really interesting? Yep. Um, when you think about it that way, it becomes very important to uh, think about not just how are you going to do the actual analysis, but how are you going to communicate it to the audience? Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, that audience does not have a technical background mm -hmm. at all. And so you have to spend quite a bit of time thinking about uh, how are you going to explain it in a way that they can relate to, understand, and trust. And the trust part is important because people will not, uh, people tend not to follow what you tell them if they don't trust you, right? Yeah, absolutely. So um, it's interesting how you mentioned about the the business is looking at it one way, maybe from how am I going to decide on, you know, something A versus B versus C or whatever, whereas the data scientist is thinking about the fun <laughs> associated with building a model. And Phil Dario, formerly with CFI Group, if you're listening to this, thank you for helping me with that second one. 
I was very much this way back in the day that I just wanted to build the best model. You know, it's kind of like, let's build a house or, or, or bake a cake. You just want to make it as good as possible. And you're not really thinking about who's going to eat the cake or who's going to live in the house. You're just thinking about making it as great as possible. So I would iterate and iterate and iterate and improve the diagnostics and try it this way and try it that way. In a sense, back in the day, that was like manual machine learning, you know, but um, that that was for, you know, quenching that data scientist thirst. And it sounds like you're saying you have to pivot your thinking away from the just focusing on the modeling for modeling sake and more toward what you're saying, decision making or around what the business is, is trying to accomplish. Yes, absolutely. In fact, there's a saying that I like a lot and I can't remember where I first heard it, but it says, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Mm. And so oftentimes when I think of analytics and do it in a practical setting, um, I sometimes push my team and myself to select what is a suboptimal, let's say, algorithm to solve the problem. Mm -hmm. Because if that algorithm can give me 96, 97% of the accuracy of a more sophisticated approach, but I can explain that simple algorithm to a person who's not technical, yep. that's a lot more valuable than that 3% improvement that I would get from something that might be more of a black box. Gotcha. Yeah, I just had this conversation with a financial services professional, um, senior VP, actually, and he was talking about that dance between the simplicity and remembering Occam's razor and the um, complication or the the accuracy, I guess, that usually is associated with better quality models. So it's a it's kind of a dance, it seems. Um, so the what happens when when uh, communicating results doesn't get what happens when that doesn't go well? Like if the results of the analytic solution are not happening the way they should, what does that look like? I've actually seen that happen more often than I than I than I wish it happened than I wish it did not happen. Um, usually, what I've seen is that uh, the business users lose trust and end up not using the the analytical result. Mm. They might fall back more on uh, gut feeling because they tend to trust that. Um, or they may shop around and try to find uh, another data scientist or another group uh, that is able to communicate things to them in the way that they understand. Mm. And I've actually seen this happen quite a bit where, um, you know, for example, uh, I've worked in situations where projects have been transferred to my team because not because the other team was doing a poor job, but because the other team was having a hard time being able to communicate effectively to the business users and wow. explain what they were doing. So sometimes you end up taking on projects just because maybe your team is is um, got has gotten better at this compared to some other team, and so they're shopping for the right data scientist to help them. Yes, and I always push myself to work backwards. And what I work backwards from is the business user. Mm. So before we start working on how we're going to solve this problem uh, using analytical techniques, we start thinking about what is the level of sophistication of the audience? Um, what language do they tend to use? Uh, how should How are they looking at the problem? And then once we know that, then we work backwards to say, what would be a good analytical way of solving this problem that we could communicate to the specific audience? And that depends from audience to audience. In some cases, I have worked where my business partner is highly analytical, and I can use things like, uh, use terms such as, uh, we're going to do a linear regression, for example. 
And in other cases, the audience might not really understand what that means. And so we'll talk about, well, we're just going to do a straight line fit to the data. Mm -hmm. Um, Some cases they may understand uh, what a random forest is, but in other cases they don't. And so we talk about, we're going to cluster the data. And I might use techniques that are a little less sophisticated than random forest, but I can explain how they did the clustering easier. Gotcha. Okay. So the it sounds like the 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 consequence of not being able to communicate um, can be pretty devastating. They either shop around if we're lucky, they shop around, look for someone else to help them answer their question. They don't use the results, um, which maybe they return back to an old method or they they go back to the golden gut um, of you know of trying to make decisions that way. But the one that bothers me the most is a lack of trust. Not just with that individual who's not communicating the results correctly, maybe even with data science as a function. I mean, analytics completely, they might just say, oh, you know what? This is how wash. I don't understand it. You're not communicating it in a way that makes sense to me. So we could be losing faith. I mean, this could be really important for our profession to make sure that we are communicating in a way that makes sense, not just for our own self, but even in broader terms, just to say, um, you know, this is analytics is valid. It can be helpful. It can really support, support your decisions. So it sounds like the pressure is on to make sure we at least make attempts to try to communicate more effectively. So um, I agree with you. Go ahead. Yeah. I was going to add, I actually agree with you. I, I actually belong to this professional forum where um, people from different companies in my role are brought together. And a couple of years ago, I had this interesting experience where someone who worked at Bloomberg, who was a product manager came to me because he wanted my help in understanding how to work with data scientists. Mm -hmm. And that was actually an example where he was frustrated, not just with like one person, he was actually frustrated with the entire industry of all data scientists because he had had really bad experiences working with them. So it could be a representative of, I mean, that might be a business person's only exposure to the data science community could be a specific data science in their company. So that's a good point. So what what do we what can we do? Tell us some uh, some solutions because you've built teams, you're doing this thing, and you're at Amazon, and so I'm sure you guys have are for are far enough along on your analytics maturity journey that you've had to witness and then sort of try to pivot and adjust and and make right in this area. So what advice could you give us for how to more effectively communicate analytics results? Um. There's a couple of things. Some of them we touched on. First one is uh, always focus on the business user and figure out how are you going to communicate the results to him or her in a way that they will understand, uh, but not feel like you're being condescending. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a couple of techniques that I found help with that. One of them is using simplified language. Uh, so I gave an example where you don't have to say it's a linear regression. You can say we're fitting a straight line to this data. Mm-hmm. People will understand that. Um, second thing I've typically, uh, second technique I use is aiming for my explanations to be conceptually accurate, even if they're not technically mathematically accurate. Uh, an example would be when I talk with business users, I won't say, Uh, I'm using uh, a decision tree or I'm using a random forest, Mm -hmm. I'll tell them, well, we're clustering the data. Now, someone who has a background in analytics might say, well, hold on, like a random forest is actually clustering the same data multiple times. And that's true. 
but that doesn't matter to the end user. They understand that, yes, we're clustering the data. There are some nuances about how that clustering is happening, but knowing those nuances isn't going to change their understanding of what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So I typically aim for being conceptually accurate, uh, not mathematically accurate when I talk to business users. Mm. Third technique that I've found uh, works well uh, is adopting the language of the business users. That's a very basic one. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, as I said earlier, you know, don't let perfect be the enemy of good. So oftentimes, if a suboptimal technique will give me uh, a far better result than the manual process they're doing today, mm -hmm. and I can explain that suboptimal technique, I'll do that one first. Uh, because I can explain it, they can see the results are better than what they're doing today. Mm -hmm. They feel like they understand it. And now I've built trust uh, with the audience. Once I've done that, then you can start becoming uh, more sophisticated and using techniques that are a little more black box mm -hmm. because you've built that initial trust with the end user. Um, and another kind of obvious technique that I use a lot is using images and visualization. Mm -hmm. Um, I never, ever show my business partner a single equation. Yep. Uh, I mean, unless they're like a fellow engineer or a fellow data scientist, of course I will. But if you're dealing with uh, senior executives, if you're dealing with program managers, uh, what you want to show them are visualizations that show the concept of how the technique is working mm -hmm. and then you want to show them the results again as images and visualizations because people find those really easy to understand gotcha okay so this is great advice um images tell more of a story so it sounds like um using images and i have a, I have a funny story on that i'll come back to in just a second uh keeping keeping things simple as much as possible considering your audience and the language and having like conceptual accuracy. These are all great pieces of advice. Going back to the images, you were talking about um, never showing a model. Um, I had uh, four teams of students work on a applied project for a practicum uh, for a major company here in Atlanta. And three of the teams had at least one MBA. My, I teach. I used to teach engineers, operations research, like master's doctoral students. Um, I have some M MBAs, mostly master science analytics. But the three teams had at least one MBA. The fourth team had no MBAs. They didn't let me, you know, really coach them the way they, you know, should have. They, in other words, they undervalued automatically the importance of the final presentation. They just felt like as long as the model's good. So we get to the day of the presentation. All four teams um, have presented. The first three seemed really simple, but very impactful, very insightful. The fourth team, oh my gosh, they were using output on the uh, the slides. And you know, my rule of thumb is, if it's on the slide, you want it to be consumed. If you don't want it to be consumed, it shouldn't be on the slide. So don't include a bunch of diagnostics unless you plan for that user to, to consume those. And so I ask them later, the client and they said, um, we didn't understand anything. They said <laughs> there was nothing gained from that. So it's a tragedy because that fourth group had the best model. They had an incredible fit and the, the types of insights that they got out of it were just sort of fell short, you know, because of that final step or that final leap that just wasn't there. 
So do you have any words of encouragement? Like how, help me help these people because I, I see these people in hordes just, you know, as they're graduating programs and as they're coming new into this area, how do we encourage people to understand the importance of not just having an awesome model, but to actually be able to make it important and applicable and relevant and applied into the business to make an impact? It has to be communicated effectively. Help me, Elvis. I agree. I mean, I think ultimately you learn to do that well by trying it and failing. Um, your story actually reminded me of when I transitioned from hands-on technical work and I went to went to work at Booz Allen mm -hmm. uh, doing consulting work. I had the same exact experience. I actually undervalued the importance of explaining the results. Um, I thought that showing just uh, the numbers and how accurate there were there would be was sufficient. Mm. And I would I fell flat on my face many times. The the first year that I was in managing consulting was really difficult for me. Um, I actually learned um, by looking at other consultants who were very successful and what they did. And some of the things that they did is exactly what you said. They made sure that the story they were telling was as simple as possible and was conceptually accurate, even if it was not um, communicating to the end user, end user every nuance mm -hmm. of the problem. As long as they got through a accurate description of the solution and then showed the results and then worked backwards to show the audience how that result would solve their problem, that was the key to success. Mm. Not how accurate your model was, not how sophisticated and cool um, it was actually, does it solve the business problem that, that you were asked to solve? And is your solution something that people can understand and thereby trust? Yep. Yep. Great. Well, hopefully they won't have to suffer the way you and I did, right? <laughs> because they've heard us talk about it. Maybe, maybe they'll listen, but sometimes you just have to, to mess up and realize it and then go, oh, okay, maybe I do need to spend a little bit of time toward communicating my analytic results. I think one technique that would work for people, because it worked for me, uh, maybe not have to do it live and kind of fall flat on your faces. Um, find a mentor yes. who is not a technical person Great. and run your results through them, him or her, actually, uh, and see if they understand it. Yep. And don't and, and have thick skin. Um, I remember when I started, I found it difficult to accept when someone told me, uh, I don't understand what you're talking about mm -hmm. because to me it seemed um, obvious. But what I had forgotten was that I had spent uh, four years um, as an undergrad and then I have two master's degrees. And so I spent in grad school another five years uh, just studying math and physics and electrical engineering. Yep. So I had this wealth of knowledge that made what I was talking seem obvious to me. But someone who lacked that background, it was not obvious to them. And so I found having uh, someone look over what I wrote and provide me brutally honest feedback yeah. uh, as being uh, a really great, great way of getting better at my own uh, explanation. Perfect. Perfect. That's great advice. And something um, a lot of grads um, overlook or new, new professionals tend to overlook. So that's fantastic. Um, so this is some good bits of nuggets. And uh, what final piece of advice um, to kind of end us off here? What final piece of advice would you give to analytics professionals trying to really improve their communication of their analytic results? I think the biggest piece of advice I would give is to remember that um, you're working on a business problem, not a science experiment. Oh, beautiful. And so your 
the bar that you want to hit in terms of success isn't do I have the uh, mathematically and analytically most perfect answer? It's do I have an answer that the business can take and implement to solve a business problem and very quickly and easily see the impact of your work because then they're going to come back for more over and over again. Love it. Thank you again so much, Alvis Diegas from Amazon, for speaking to us about effectively communicating analytics results. Thank you. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for listening to Tag Data Talk, sponsored by Emory Continuing Education, hosted by Aspirant. Have a great data set. 